I'm impressed at the diversity that you find just around campus. So I'm striding across the University of Canterbury grounds with master's student Genevieve Early and her supervisor, Professor of Microbial Ecology, Ian Dickey. I'm always seeing new little things I haven't spotted before. We're on our way to look at the organism she's been working with, and it's the kind of thing that inspires some big responses from the sublime... It's quite an amazing species to work on. They're really charismatic little organisms. It's just the coolest thing in the world. To the kind of unappealing. Sort of bizarre, almost alien, tentacle-looking things. It squirt out this lemon-curd snot. So you're intrigued. What, you may ask, are we talking about here? Well, the answer is fungi. And once you know how to spot them, Genevieve often finds them around campus. There's a lot of little brown mushrooms that all look, to my eye, nearly the same. And puzzling out and figuring out what it is you've got in front of you. That's a really nerdy little puzzle. But before we get carried away on this mushroom hunt, today we're going to look at a specific fungus, which Genevieve's been studying in the hope it might help tackle a big issue. The premise of my research is that we want to harness the potential of an indigenous fungus called armillaria, which produces mushrooms, and try and use that to inoculate sites with wilding pines to help suppress the growth. She got interested in the project after talking to her professor, Ian Dickey. We were doing a review on different ways that invasive plants interacted with fungi, and we came across this idea of biotic resistance, which is the idea of native species that would prevent an invasion from happening. That got us reading about armillaria as a species that used to really limit pines in New Zealand, and we thought if we could bring that back and restore it into the ecosystem, it might actually help resist the invasion where we don't want it now. Because as many of us know, wilding pines are a major problem in New Zealand. Conifers were introduced here in the 1880s and they're invasive weeds, so they got around pretty quickly. The Department of Conservation estimates they now cover more than 1.8 million hectares of New Zealand and they're still building on that. Coverage is growing at a rate of about 5% a year. So the wilding pine really is if I can use this term, the original super spreader. So in Canterbury it's particularly visible up around Hanmer Springs, around Molesworth Station and in the Craigieburn Ranges, where you can see that what is usually a sort of a dry grassland in its current state is just being covered with swathes of pine trees and turning into a totally different looking landscape. At the moment they are using herbicide spraying and chainsaw felling to cut down these trees but it's not particularly effective in the long run. It's really expensive to do, and sites will still have seed bank in the soil, so seedlings just regrow in the space of a few years. You just wind up with a snowballing problem. So we want to try and look at ecological solutions, so using this indigenous fungus, in conjunction with the current control methods to try and provide better outcomes and longer-term suppression. So first up, why are malaria, and what do we know about it? Here's Ian Dickey again. As a fungus, it's just the coolest thing in the world. It produces mushrooms that are really prolific, it's edible. And more importantly, as a fungus, it really puts itself about. So faced with the super-spreading wilding pines, armillaria has a bit of clout of its own. We did a study of the deadwood on the west coast, and sampled 81 different rimu logs throughout that forest. We found this in every single log. So it was the only fungus that was present in every single piece of deadwood that we measured. And it made up about 26% of the fungi in those logs. So this is absolutely the ecosystem dominant in the fungal world. 
So we would drill into them to get tissue that we could extract the DNA from. And it would squirt out this lemon curd snot from the log. That's what our malaria does to wood. It turns it into this yellowy, slimy mess as part of the decay process. So it's a critical part of the ecosystem. And that's where Genevieve's research fits in. The initial project was funded by the Bioprotection Research Centre and the ongoing work is supported by the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment. I've been investigating how we can inoculate wood of invasive pine trees and whether the age since the tree has been felled affects the colonisation of the fungus. So what I've found is that live trees, so trees that we've felled ourselves, or very freshly felled trees, the fungus responds a lot better to them for inoculation and grows quite vigorously and healthily on those. That's really promising as a first step for my research because that shows the management implication of if you're going in and felling these trees, cutting them down and leaving them in situ, which is what happens at most sites, that is probably quite a good opportunity to be able to use this as an environmental tool at the same time It's unlikely the fungus would ever fully replace the method of felling trees and spraying herbicide. But we're hoping that if you can use it in conjunction as a sort of a third part of the management practice that it will remain at the sites for longer and help suppress the growth of seedlings that are then coming up after initial removal. Which brings us to our destination here at the University of Canterbury, the Mushroom House. Everything's been having a bit of a water, so we have to switch the hoses off before we can venture inside. A bit damp because we came in right on our cycle. So what have we got here? So all of these tiny little Kmart glass jars filled with chunks of fairly ordinary looking wood is my summer research project. So the wood chunks are what Ian and I went out and collected from invaded sites. And the white fuzz that you see growing all over them are different isolates of the armillaria. You can see that one doesn't look so flash, so that's on really old, dry, dead wood, and the growth on it is not particularly vigorous. Whereas that's on much fresher, newer wood, and you can see it's almost covering the entire thing. Of course, it wasn't the work of a moment to get them here. So Ian and I went out armed with, uh, much to my disgust, a very small pruning saw to go and fell some, what, 15, 20 centimetre diameter invasive pine trees because Ian didn't want me to do the chainsaw training and all the rigmarole that that entails for health and safety, (laughs) uh, or indeed use an axe. So I got to find out that I'm very, very bad at using a pruning saw, particularly on reasonably large, vigorously growing live trees. How long did it take you to get through this stuff? Oh, it takes Ian about five minutes, (laughs) because he's got quite a bit of experience doing this, and it took me probably 20 minutes of some fairly colourful language and blood, sweat and tears to get one of them down (laughs) and we had to collect upwards of 30 of them. So after suffering for her science and even breaking a pruning saw, Genevieve's research is looking good. It's shown armillaria could help to control wilding pines but there are some other things to consider. The ability of the fungus to break down plant material could be a worry for some. The forestry industry is really concerned about armillaria and plantations. It's a pathogen on pines, and they don't want it in their plantation. So they do a lot of management for it already. I don't think that's really an issue. I mean, the the concern there is about plantation forests, and we can keep this well away from those areas. Um, It's already throughout the environment. It's just bringing it into the grassland sites where we don't want pines, but it should have no effects on the forestry industry. 
Genevieve will also be looking at how our malaria affects the native plants growing around the pines. So I am personally planning on seeing how the fungus works when you've got a trial community, so a combination of different native seedling species and pines growing together and how that community responds to inoculation with the fungus. So what I am hoping to see is that it will weaken, suppress and maybe even kill the pine seedlings whilst not dramatically affecting the native species. Her hopes are based on the fact that our malaria is found pretty much all over the country in forest areas and it doesn't seem to have harmed natives. But those are older established forests and she wants to see what the fungus will do to younger plants. It's an important decomposer in the indigenous forest community, helping to break down trees and dead wood on the forest floor that need to be broken down, otherwise would be all chin deep in dead wood. <laughs> it can switch between being a pathogen and being a decomposer, but we don't see any evidence in the native forests of its pathogenic effect having any serious effect on the forest community. But our malaria does have some specific features that allow it to spread efficiently throughout forest environments. And so with that in mind, we head to the lab where Genevieve can explain a bit more about how this fungus works. Here are some of the more exciting looking ones. So these are the rhizomorphs, bizarre, almost alien tentacle looking things growing throughout the agar plate. And the white fuzzy stuff you see on top is hyphae. The hyphae are the filaments that usually make up the body of a fungus, but the rhizomorphs are a kind of cord-like structure made up of a whole lot of parallel hyphae. And a rhizomorph can extend out through the forest soil up to 60 metres, looking for another source of dead wood. The rhizomorphs are what the fungus uses to grow and seek out water, nutrients, new space, and they do seem to confer it some sort of ecological tolerance against stress. The rhizomorphs are a lot tougher and less susceptible to drying out. This is a key advantage for us because those rhizomorphs will let it grow in one log and move out through the soil and seek out a new resource. That's one of the key advantages of using this fungus is that ability to search for new resources and spread vegetatively. And then, of course, one of the greatest advantages of all this is that our malaria is not an introduced species. It's here in New Zealand, which Ian Dickey says should make using it practically a lot more achievable. Normally, if you're importing a new species from overseas, you'd have to get permissions in place, you'd have to rear it in containment, do lots of trials for safety. With this fungus, it's already here. It's one of the most common fungi in New Zealand. So we're not introducing anything that's not already here. It also grows quite quickly. So once we're convinced we have something that's working, we can rear it up and then introduce it in, in field trials. It's a project Genevieve feels passionate about. I really love fungi and mushrooms. That's the first bit of my love for this, really, is I like going outside and looking at mushrooms and going, wow, that's really cool. That's <laughs> just totally sort of non-scientific, but I just think they're really charismatic little organisms. There's such a wide variety of form and function in them, and they do all sorts of bizarre things that we still really struggle to scientifically comprehend how they work and what they do. And mycology itself is really a very exciting field to be in at the moment because we are learning a lot of new things about how they work, the ecology of them, discovering new species. So it feels like a really exciting and sort of wonderful field to be in. And now she's got the bug, it's likely she'll keep looking out for fungi wherever she goes get very strange looks from people in their offices watching you. 
After a while, they'll just get a reputation. They're like, she's one of those mushroom people. After a while, they'll probably just ring security and say, you need to do something about this. <laughs> that was Genevieve Early, a master's student at the University of Canterbury. And I was also speaking to her supervisor, a professor of microbial ecology, Ian Dickey. I'm Katie Gossett from Our Changing World and you can find other episodes at rnz.co.nz forward slash Our Changing World. Thanks for tuning in today. Mā te wā.